Nothing is more satisfying than to know you're forgiven. Can you say amen to that? Joshua was a man just like us. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works, as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this theme verse as we remind ourselves of our weaknesses and our shortfall. And we thank you that we come to you as broken people, but we go away with strength and joy that we are forgiven and that we stand for the one who has stood for us in our place. And so may our hearts be teachable and that we would be able to receive these words this morning and apply them to our lives and ask you, Holy Spirit, to teach us this week from this book, your word, authorized, blessed so many, many, many people. And bless this chapter, we pray to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Finding rest is the story today of Rahab. Two spies were sent out. Rahab has a confession to make, a confession of the Lord that she believed in, I believe. She has made statements, bold statements, that you would think for a woman of her background would not be able to make, but she did it. What a confession was hers. And they were going to talk about the scarlet cord. Chapter 2. Two spies were sent out. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men as spies secretly from Shittim, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came into the house of a harlot, whose name was Rahab. And they lodged there. It was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men from the sons of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. And the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they come to search out the land. The name Rahab is found ten times in Scripture. Some of them are referring to the same woman, but three of them are referring to another by name of Egypt. In Psalm 87 and Psalm 89, Isaiah 51, those mentions of Rahab are not referring to her. But her name appears seven times in Scripture. She must be significant to the gospel message. Two spies were sent out. Only two instead of 12. Now, wouldn't it be kind of strange 
for 12 men to enter the land and go to this city and go to one lady's house. Very strange. And Joshua sent only two. And they are unnamed, by the way. And why would they choose to go to a lady's house without reputation or a good reputation of a woman who lived on the wall? Why would they pick that out? Well, first of all, probably a lot of strangers came and went from that house. And so they went to this house. And how they knew, God led them. And why would God lead them to a woman like, to a woman like her? Why would he choose to send them there? Well, you remember Jesus was tired and weary and he sent his disciples into a city and lo and behold, a woman approaches Jesus, just Jesus and this woman alone. And Jesus offers her living water. Not only that, he tells her what she has done. And she goes into the village to announce this incredible prophet. And she brings a whole crowd back with her. And the disciples are really wondering, what did Jesus do to make all this crowd come out to this, I guess, isolated well? But it was the change in a woman, the Samaritan woman, that they came out to see Jesus Christ, the one who gives living water. And these men are led to especially Jericho. Joshua had told them to target that city. And they went and they found the house of a harlot, Rahab. And they took lodging in her house. And not only was she a prostitute, but she also was a liar. And she told a lie. The woman, it says, had taken the two men and hidden them and said, yes, the men came to me, telling the truth, but I did not know where they were from. Lie number one. It was obvious who they were. In fact, the townspeople had even told the king Israelites had come into the city. And it came about when it was time to shut the gate at dark that the men went out, and I do not know where the men went. Yes, she knew exactly where the men were. Bold-faced lie. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. Lie number three. And so, apparently... They took her at that word and went out down the road toward the Jordan to find these men. But what she had done, she had hidden them. But she brought them up to the roof and hidden them in the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued them on the road to Jordan to the fords. And as soon as those who were pursuing them had gone out, they shut the gate. Second point of this is in verses 8 to 14 of Rahab's confession. And now before they lay down, the men, she came up to them on the roof and said to them, I know the Lord, Yahweh, 
has given you the land. And the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before you. What kind of a woman was Rahab? How would she know to call the Lord Yahweh? That's the word she used. The God of Israel. Yahweh. She had some history. And we'll follow this because she goes on to mention another incident that probably she had heard as a little girl. Verse 10. For we have heard how the Lord Yahweh dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. Can you imagine how old do you think Rahab was? We don't know, but she was probably still in her prime. Let's say she's 25 to 30 years of age. But when did the Lord take the Israelites through the Red Sea? How far back was that to what we're talking about here during Rahab's time? It was 40 plus years. Most likely, I think anyway, her parents or maybe her grandparents had heard the story of Israel leaving Egypt and walking on dry land through the Red Sea. That story, I think, was told abroad. And here she remembers this story. You know, children remember stories. And what is a wonderful ministry? A ministry to children. Your own children. I remember years that Katie and I spent with our three we were raising, and we would read them stories. And they would say, Dad, read us another one. No, you need to go to bed to sleep. Dad, please, one more. Just one more story. Oh, all right. I'll tell you about how Israel went across the Red Sea. I was just a young man then. And at that time, probably, Rahab wasn't even born. And it was probably her grandparents, or maybe even her parents, who told her about Yahweh. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Shihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. When we heard it, our hearts melted and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you. For the Lord Yahweh, your God, Elohim, your God, he is a God, Elohim, in heaven above and on earth beneath. What a testimony. This little girl and this grown-up woman, she's remembered these stories from her childhood. Wouldn't you know, here are two spies in her house, and they're from Israel, and she knows their story. She remembers their story. And I can imagine that Rahab, as a little girl, going to sleep at night, afraid of some of the things that she saw in her society, which no little girl should ever see. 
and what had gone into her heart is unmentionable. From the wickedness of Jericho, the wickedness of the people who were living in God's promised land. And yet this wonderful story stands out and she recognizes these people, these men are different. They don't want anything from me. They've come to my house and I want what they have. Peace, strength, courage, and the witness was in her heart. And where it came from, we can only guess. But she had heard the story. Now therefore, she says to the men, please swear to me by the Lord, Yahweh, since I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's household and give me a pledge of truth and spare my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters with all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. What a big wish she was giving. What a faith she had to believe that all her relatives would be saved. So the men said to her, our life for yours. Very important statement. If you are killed, so will we be killed. If you live, so shall we live. We'll see to it. We are people of the promise, of the covenant, of the truth. Our life for yours, if you do not tell this business of ours, and it shall come about when the Lord, Yahweh, gives us the land that we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. What an incredible experience she just had. I'm sure that sealed it for her, that she knew, she knew, she knew that the promises were sure. And just as the children of Israel went through the Red Sea, so her family would be saved. And she herself would be done with the horrors of her land, of her people. Her life changed that day. That was her conversion by her confession. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. And that's just as true for the Old Testament and the New Testament as well. And I'm sure following this incident, she was very eager to see her family and to share in the next days with them what had happened to her, of a revolution, a takeover of her life. What an incredible miracle. We will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Then here comes the sealer, the covenant part of this story. In most stories, particularly of the Old Testament, but also in the New Testament, covenant is very, very dear to us as believers. Without that, we've just got a story. But with the covenant of the God, our maker, 
the Creator God, our Savior, the one who came, being sent by His Father to die in our place. The covenant-keeping God revolutionizes our lives and brings us to an understanding this isn't just some accident. This isn't just some nice story. This I can place my life on. That's what Rahab experienced. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall, so that she was living on the wall. She said to them, Go to the hill country so that the pursuers will not happen upon you, and hide yourselves there for three days until the pursuers return. Then afterward you may go on your way. The men said to her, We shall be free from this oath to you, which you have made us swear. When we come into the land, you tie this cord of scarlet thread. I mean, that sounds like it's very skinny, but it really is a cord, bigger than a thread, I think. But anyway, that cord in the window through which you let us down and gather to yourself into the house your father and your mother and your brothers and all your father's household. That must have been a crammed house. We don't know how many. I don't think we do. And she said, according to your words, so be it. So she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord to the window. And they departed and came to the hill country and remained there for three days until the pursuers returned. Let's just stop there. Why three days till the coast was clear? Why three days? What were these guys doing? They were losing time. Three whole days to sit up there in the hills above Jericho. You think they were sitting there playing cards or something like that? What do you think they were doing? What would you do if you were in that situation? Aha! <laughs> I knew you guys would pick up on that quick. What would they be praying? Begging? Would they be begging? They're not beggars. These are valiant men. Men trained in the desert for 40 years. They were in their prime. But not only in physical sense, but they had seen the works of Moses. They had seen the transition of a new leader of Israel. In fact, there was no goodbye that Israel received from Moses. He was up in the mountain and he didn't come back. That would make you feel a little bit nervous that the one who had led you all these years and out of Egypt now is not there. But you have a new leader. But Joshua was picked by Moses. And he himself also was an old man. But he believed God. And he was faithful. And these men, I don't know how old they would be, probably younger than Joshua. But they were ready to wait until what this woman told them, wait three days. Well, can we really trust her? Or is she going to tell the king? Maybe they'll 
torture her and she'll tell them where we are. Those kind of things would enter your mind, right? Sitting there for three days and you're just praying, Lord, we trust in you. This is your land. This does not belong to the Jerichoites. This does not belong to the heathen. This is the land that you promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is our land. We're here legitimately. And I think by the fact of where the story goes, this was pretty much the influence of these two men. And someday we'll find out who they were. That is what makes a man a man. And that's why God has put us in the place of men in our families. To be those who will lead others with sure conviction that we are going the right way. The woman told us three days. Father, you know it's three days and we'll wait. And they waited. And they departed and came to the hill country and remained there for three days until the pursuers returned. Now the pursuers had sought them all along the road, but had not found them. Then the two men returned and came down from the hill country and crossed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun. And they related all that had happened to them. What a thrilling story. Surely the Lord Yahweh has given all the land into our hands. Moreover, all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before us. The scarlet thread, the scarlet cord. This is a covenant sign. This is like the sign of the blood on the doorposts and the lintel of the believing Israelites the night before they escaped from Egypt over 40 years previous. It seems Rahab understood this story. Perhaps her parents or grandfather had told her of the amazing story of the blood of the Lamb on the doorposts of every believer in the house of Israel, Yahweh. In verse 22, the spies are satisfied with the covenant they have made with Rahab. And on their return, they have a great confidence that the Lord Yahweh has given all the land into our hands. Make note of that statement. Surely the Lord Yahweh has given all the land into our hands. Moreover, all the inhabitants of the land have melted before us. We're going to learn about that statement. All the land into our hands. There are probably territories, there are probably battles that you are facing in your life. Not probably, I know that there are. All of us face the same thing. And we need to remember these words, we need to remember these stories, like Rahab, who remembered this story. All the land will be given into our hands. And I believe these two men were some of those who really understood the consequences and the outcome and the results of what they were believing in. And they were strong and very courageous.
And we, as a people, we need to be strong and courageous. Don't give up. What you're dealing with right now in your life is like that. But God is the God of covenant and promise. And he will take you through whatever you are facing right now in his strength, in his power, his way. Obey him like these servants, like the spies, like Rahab, who had a very different picture now. She had dealt with it firsthand. And all of us have been given a firsthand experience of encountering Jesus Christ. If you have believed in him and you receive him as your savior, you have experienced what they experienced those three days. Because Jesus is the covenant, the seal of the promises of God. And what has been promised to you out of his word, it will be fulfilled in your life. I'm not a prophet. All I'm doing is saying what I believe that this word is saying, that these two spies are saying, all of the land. Don't just look for, well, I prayed for a raise and I got a raise. Oh, you haven't seen anything of miracles until I prayed and my mother and father are being baptized today. We don't know what to ask. And we don't know what God has in our future. But he has great things. All of the land. And you know what? Even today, in 2019, that land is still not occupied fully. So what does that tell us? There's work undone. There's work left to do. We are to be the people who will take this land. Now, Japan hasn't been promised anything other than the fact that the people of this land, I believe, Jesus Christ says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But we're here in this land. So let's be like those two men, believing for all the land. Be strong and courageous. Father, we thank you for this time this morning. We thank you for this message. We thank you for this witness of the truth of what you want to do in our lives. And for those of us who are still very small in faith and we, we want to believe you for the big things. And those things that you give us along the way are encouragement to us that you do hear us when we pray. You do answer. We thank you for that. But we ask for this land, for the people of Japan, 
to know that there is a Savior. There is the living God who's given himself for us. And they are part of that plan. Thank you for this time together. In this marvelous book, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.